Welcome to the 34 Welcome to Make Matriarchy Great Again. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the 34 Circes Salon and something we're going to be calling In Praise of the Goddess. We're going to talk about the myths of the goddess from a more scholarly standpoint, as opposed to our more personalized version that we do in the Divine Feminine. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and as always, I am here with... Dawn Sam Alden. How are you, Dawn? I'm pretty good. So far, have survived the fires, and... Uh... And getting ready for another heat wave here in Southern California. Well, we'll have to implore the goddess to help us, right? Indeed. And who better to help us with that than someone we talk to on our other podcast channel, often on the Parallax. That is Dr. Gary Stickle. Hi, Gary. Hi. And hi, Don. Hi, Gary. Welcome back. Thank you. So Gary is here today to talk about um, one of the goddesses in the Greek pantheon, one of the most famous goddesses in any pantheon, Athena. What would be mainly the big idea with Athena? <laughs> what should we know from our choir above about Athena? What's, a, what's maybe one takeaway you'd like people to have about her? Well, Athena uh, was an extraordinary goddess and... Uh, and to me, she's inspiring in ways I'll, I'll explain as we discuss this. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, the great city of Athens in Greece is named after her. And uh, the Parthenon, you know, the great uh, temple that uh, is up on the, uh, you know, this hill overlooking the city, the Acropolis, um, uh, was dedicated to her. And uh, and many uh, historians and architects have considered it the most perfect, beautiful building ever built. Wow. wow. And inside of it, the great sculptor at the time, Phidias, created a 40-foot-high statue of Athena. Get this. Uh, the flesh parts were covered in ivory, and the clothing and, and uh, her other... Uh, apparel uh, was covered with gold, gold plated. Wow. Sounds beautiful. It would have been stunning, absolutely and sparkling. Stunning. Yeah. How yeah. how tall was it, and what happened to it? It was forty feet high. Uh, I believe when the another reasons uh, I have a problem with them, and you don't, as when the Romans conquered Greece, I think they took it. You know. <laughs> so, you, you, you can't blame the Romans here, Gary. <laughs> And if they took it, they probably had a reason. Let's be real, okay? Oh, yeah. Some emperor wanted it, you know, in his villa, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or wanted the gold and the ivory. Yeah, that too. That too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, Athena... So, the, is, so uh, did, you, ahead, did you say... I'm sorry. So it was lost. The so Romans took it. So is there... In the uh, Parthenon now, did they recreate it? Or am I mistaken? Or No, no. Uh, but uh, get this... Um, in Nashville, Tennessee, um, 
they uh, they had like a, a World's Fair. They didn't call it that, but it was a World's Fair back in the late 1800s. Uh, and they built a replica of the Parthenon. It, it, you know, it's, it's well done. Um, but um, uh, in the 90s, I believe, they hired a sculptor who created a replica of the statue. And it's in, we, someone could go see that in, in uh, Nashville? Yeah, I've seen it. It's it's well done, although, frankly, the sculptor is not a genius like Phidias. And the face, to me, is not as beautiful as the face that Phidias would have had. Mm. So what's her connection to Athens? Can you say a little bit more about that? Um, well, uh, when, when the city was first going to be created, uh, according to Greek mythology, there was a... Uh, a contest between Poseidon, you know, the god of the sea, and and Athena, and uh, so Poseidon, I think, um, uh, if I remember right, he he offered, you know, uh, he was also related to horses. I think he offered the horse, you know, as his gift to the the people. Athena offered the olive tree, interestingly, you know, her sacred tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Athenians uh, took the tree because of its, you know, it, was, it provided food, it provided shade, etc. And so she became the patron goddess of the city. Wow. Nice. So I, I think, Dawn, you had a question about where she may have come from uh, in terms of the origin. Right, yeah, in the, in the historical record, <clears throat> excuse me, as opposed to the mythological record, um, you know, a lot of uh, the the gods of conquering peoples would take on a lot of the attributes of the gods of the conquered peoples so that uh, the transition became a little bit more um, acceptable to them. So I, I, I seem to remember that uh, she had the name Pallas Athena and that Pallas was originally a different goddess. Is that the case? No. Um, what it is is... Uh... When Athena was young, she was she had a playmate, and the playmate was uh, named Pallas, her playmate. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, so there's an episode where uh, uh, Athena uh, actually accidentally kills a Pallas by accident, and she felt very bad about that. So as a token of grief, Athena said Pallas's name before her own. Hmm. So that's how it became Pallas Athena. Okay, and that that's the mythological um, yeah, uh, uh, explanation. Sort of explanation yeah. for that. But is there a, a historical one that differs in that? that... I'm, I'm not aware of it. It okay. might be. Okay, maybe I'm... Well, what were the earlier, I mean, before we have this very developed pantheon, and I don't mean mythologically because we know about the age of the gods, we've talked about it on an episode and we'll probably bring it back, the Titans and then the Olympians. But historically, what kind of gods do you know the Greeks had before they developed these great gods that have been passed down for thousands of years now? Is there Was there an evolution or yeah. do we just kind of see Athena literally like she was supposedly born, full-grown right from the head of Zeus. Yes. Um, well, uh, we know from analyzing the uh, tablets, you know, at, at 
Knossos, the great palace on Crete that belonged to the Minoan civilization prior to the conquest of it by the Mycenaeans, uh, you know, early Greeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in those tablets, there's two. There's Linear A, which they have not deciphered, the earlier uh, version, a later version called Linear B. They have deciphered it as a version of Greek. And in it, some of the gods are mentioned. Uh, I think Athena might have been mentioned. Zeus, certainly. I think Poseidon. I'm not certain about, I can't remember if Athena was mentioned or not. Mm-hmm. But not all the gods were mentioned so far, but some to show they, they went back into those, uh, you know, like 1500 BC, early times. So the Mycenae, I'm sorry, the, the, the what are called the Minoans, or what we call here, Don and I and Vicky call the Cretans, they had this these gods like Zeus. Apparently, according to those tablets. And that would have been around 1500 B.C.? Yeah. Because I had heard, and Don, this might be of interest to you, I had heard that for the Cretan civilization, Zeus was not the great god. Um, I don't know if you know this, Gary, or if Hannah, we can find out and look into it. But what do you, do you know anything about that, that Zeus was not the great father god for them, that he was more of a side god, so to speak? Well, I... Uh, I, I, I'm uh, not that knowledgeable about that, but uh, to me, all the imagery of, uh, you know, the palaces on Crete, women are emphasized. Right. Uh, and uh, so I, I think it could well be the case that women were ruling. And then when the uh, male chauvinistic, you know, uh, Mycenaeans conquered uh, Crete, they, they brought in the whole male dominated thing, including the god uh, Zeus, you know. Yeah. It could be something, Dawn, interesting for us to dig into in a different yeah. episode. Yeah, it would be great. Well, nice hopefully, if, if at some point they finally manage to decipher Linear A, it would be very interesting t- to compare the two languages and yeah. see, you know, how they, uh, <clears throat> how they speak of the universe and, and what changes from one to the other. And, and for the listener, we discuss a little bit about Linear A in both our episode on the rise of the Amazons and on the sacred script of matriarchy right. and its possible connection to earlier female-centered civilizations. So and, back and, to and, Athena. Well, so, and yes, right. and what I want to say is uh, let, let's talk about what she was about. Um, uh, as you mentioned, uh, she came from the head of Zeus, so she wasn't born like other goddesses. She sprang from the, you know, the brain, the mind of Zeus. Can you tell us about that myth? Can you tell that story? Well, that, that, that's the story that uh, she sprang from the head of Zeus. And uh, because of that, uh, she was the intellectual goddess, you know. Right. Just, I'm just curious, how did she get in his, I mean, there, there well, was a, I, there's I, a background I, story. I, how I she don't know. Uh, that I don't know. But anyhow, the, the mythology says that she sprang from the head of Zeus. Okay. Yeah, that he, ha- he had a headache or something like that, and he couldn't, he couldn't get the headache to stop. And so he yes. asked, he asked uh, was it Hephaestus? Yes. To like bang him on the head or something yeah, yeah. like that. And then bang, bang boom, him. she uh, came. Uh, <laughs> or hit, hit, hit him with an axe or something. Uh, yep. and, and that uh, that would explain the headache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but you know, uh, uh, even so, she was the favorite uh, child of Zeus. Right. And uh, she's also a virgin goddess. 
Um, and um, and she, so she became the, the goddess of wisdom and defensive war, not offensive war, but defensive war. Um, can you uh, can you go into the, just a little bit of detail of what distinction you're making with that for the listener? And who would be the god of offensive war? So the, the, well. the god of offensive war was Ares. Uh, the, the ancient Romans called him Mars. Right. Um, and he was ruthless. He was bloodthirsty. And, you know, he always wanted to kill more uh, men and stuff like that in the wars. Um, Athena was not. She was. Uh, she would only go to battle uh, when she had to. Uh, and uh, and interestingly, when she did, she could really kick butt because according to Homer in the uh, Iliad, uh, she could even defeat Ares in a one-on-one combat. Wow. Wow. So what I, what I love about that is the ancient Greeks had this warrior woman and the concept of a strong woman who could uh, take care of herself. You know, it wasn't uh, dependent on men, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And and uh, listeners who have uh, heard our episode on Tamiris of the Masagate will recognize these attributes of a woman warrior as based in historical example that... Tomiris resisted going to war as long as she could, but once she did, she was unstoppable. Yeah, and, and defensive so, combat, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Athena became uh, associated with uh, as a protectress of, of the city and civilization. Gary, can I ask you a little bit just to say a little bit about the contrast between this goddess who is self-contained and self-controlled and a fighter and the Greek view of women in everyday life. Yeah, it kind of stands in contrast, really, because uh, during the the, uh, classical period that we know so well, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and and even during the uh, so-called dark ages or whatever, um, you know, women, I think, were dominated by men. And it, it was so bad in classical times that, you know, a, a, a citizen of, of Athens, his wife couldn't go out unless she was accompanied and, you know, had to wear a veil and all this sort of stuff. Um, and uh, really, you know, chauvinistic, in my opinion, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, but Athena, and I just want to talk about her appearance. Um, interestingly, uh, most often she's depicted uh, wearing a, a helmet, uh, you know, a plumed helmet, mm-hmm. uh, carrying a shield and carrying a spear. Uh, and that's the way she was depicted by Phidias in the great statue there inside the Parthenon. Uh, so she was ready for action, in other words, you know. Right, um, right. Now, on her uh, chest, uh, in addition to her armor, she wore the what's called the aegis of Zeus. She wore it on her breast, and uh, the aegis was a magical goatskin that was protected by one of the gorgons, um, the Medusa, you know, the, the right, one that yeah. had 
the hair of snakes that, that wouldn't look from her and you turn into stone. Right. And so the Medusa is depicted at the center of the Aegis that was, was always shown on, on her chest. And, uh, and then, it, and then around the fringe of the goat skin are, are serpents. Um, but um, she was a goddess of, of uh, wisdom, as I said, defensive war, civilization. But also, she had other attributes. She was goddess of women's arts and handicrafts, such as weaving. Uh, she was also goddess of uh, agriculture. Um, and uh, you know, so she had, uh, you know, she was goddess of uh, reason and purity and so on, mm-hmm. and the embodiment of, of those things. Uh, she also, uh, uh, she created many uh, civilizing inventions, as they put it, such as the flute, the trumpet, the earthenware pottery. Uh, and then I, I find it's interesting. Also, the plow, the rake, the ox, uh, ox yoke, you know, that yokes the oxen to pull uh, carts. Right. Uh, even a horse bridle and the chariot. But she also was the uh, creator of uh, dice used in divination. And she first taught the science of numbers, which I find very interesting because of my discovery that uh, Homer embedded a sacred symbolic number system in both the Iliad and the Odyssey. Can we go back to a couple of things and then come back to the Odyssey? Just the, the Aegis, which I think is interesting. You and I have been talking about words that we get from Greek that we still use in English. And I think that's an interesting thing to point out. So can you just, again, say for the listener what, in, what her Aegis was and then how, it, how it's used today in the English language? Uh, good point. Uh, well, the Aegis was uh, given to her by Zeus, as a protective device, I guess you'd call it. And it had power unto its own, you know, with the, the Medusa's head, the scary head, uh, you know, in the center of it, you know. So again, what was it? Is a, is an article? What, what is, what was it? It, it, was, it was, it was, it was like a piece of clothing, if you will, or, right. uh, um, and, uh, you know, so, uh, but, you know, it, it both protected her, but also showed Zeus's great, uh, you know, regard of her. Um, and uh, so we but, use that now to say, you know, when uh, under the ages of something that you have both the protection and the support, you know, the it, right, it, you know, you have, yeah, and also kind of like the control, you know, if, you, if they have the aegis and they have the control over whatever it might be, you know, like your, uh, you know, like a phone company or uh, which I've been dealing with right now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> has, has the aegis over me getting my landline back and I've been having a battle over that. So, you know, um, that's, that's great. What about some of the other attributes you just mentioned? Um, you talked about how she was a goddess of women's crafts, I believe you said. Yes. Can you so, give some examples of like what, what that would be? Yeah. She is, uh, handicrafts, you know, like, uh, weaving baskets and, um, uh, and spinning and weaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she said pottery as well? Yes, and even cooking. She was a, that was one of her arts. Interesting. You know, so-called women's arts. It's an interesting combination, right? Because you have her with weaving, but also with warfare. Yes. And I, 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 you know, 
know of women who like to weave and like to do combat. Don't you know any women like that? Gee, hmm. Uh, you mean women who spend their uh, quarantine lockdown uh, making elaborate cross-stitch embroideries, but also like to kick ass? Yeah, I yeah. think I know someone like that. <laughs> but isn't that interesting how those two things, that 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 what we think of as traditional women's yes. art, uh, yeah. also show that you can be a warrior woman and also weave or do whatever. Well, and there is there is a, a, a deeper connection with that and the divination. I was really interested by what Gary said about the, the, the um, did you say dice for? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. would put dice as, you know, to uh, see what uh, numbers came up and how that would relate Sacred to. Sacred numbers, uh, yeah, because weaving... There is a um, spinning and weaving and dealing with fabric arts. There is, um, there's a type of, of trance state associated with that. And that trance state was sometimes used for divination. So that's interesting in all of the different ways that it intersects. Yeah, Isn't there a myth, a myth where the... Where the divining goddesses use weaving is yeah. that okay, yeah. spinning and weaving yes, okay. and of course you know the the fates um you know That's talk it. about the thread of life and one of them spins one of them measures and one of them cuts right so yeah so what else about some of these attributes that you'd mentioned can we so we well you know numbers well the thing is uh even though she's a goddess of war a defensive war uh, she got no pleasure from battle like Ares did. Right. Or Ares, the goddess of discord. Right. Um, um, Athena favored settling disputes and upholding the laws, uh, some, something the leader of this country doesn't agree with right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm praying to Athena to bring him down, okay? So that's lovely. That's lovely. I and, might have to light a candle or two myself to Athena. Please do. Yeah, please do. Yeah. And well, um, what about so, in the uh, what about with Odysseus and your beloved Odysseus? What yeah. is her connection to him and the Iliad and the Odyssey? Because that's is that the first place that the, in Western literature that we encounter Athena? Uh, well, the the Iliad, the Iliad, the story of the Trojan War. That's where Athena first appears. Okay, and does that predate? Do, do, is she brought up by Hesiod in any of in his works, in the Diogony? Oh yeah. Okay, but he's he's later than Homer. Uh, they believe maybe a couple hundred years later. It's not certain. Okay. He's a near contemporary of Homer, but he's not quite a contemporary, and that's what most scholars feel. Mm -hmm. um, and, so the uh, Iliad, is, Iliad is first. Okay. Iliad's. The Iliad is the oldest book in Western European civilization. It's amazing. There's nothing older. Wow. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's 16,000 lines of poetry. Uh, it's fantastic book length. And the Odyssey, which is like the sequel to the Iliad, um, is uh, 12,000 lines of poetry. Um, and uh, Athena is throughout the uh, Featured more prominently in the Odyssey, actually. She's the patron goddess of Odysseus, the, the 
the king of Ithaca and the one who came up with the idea of the Trojan horse. And she helps him throughout his 10-year-long fantastic voyage home where he, you know, encounters all these gods and monsters and so on, you know? Um, right. And, and there's a famous scene in the Odyssey where she pleads, goes to Mount Olympus with the 12 gods, and she pleads with Zeus to to force the goddess, the minor goddess Calypso, to release Odysseus because she's been keeping him as a love slave for seven years. Right. Seven being another sacred number, by the way. Um, ah. Yeah. Um, so at the start of the Iliad, is what's Athena's role before as the, the Trojan War starts off? Well, she's, uh, she's a, a supporter of uh, the Greeks. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, uh, going back to her... Uh, you know, uh, you know her her mourning her friend uh, Pallas. Um, she created uh, in honor of Pallas. She created a statue of herself. It's called a Palladium. Or actually, in Greek, it's Palladion, but we've changed it to Palladium. Like there's a famous theater in Hollywood called the Palladium. Right. Um, and so she let it falls from uh, Mount Olympus and it lands in her temple. She had a temple at Troy. And uh, it was it was wood made of wood, but you know she created it. And the story goes, you know, the myth is that as long as it remained in Troy, the city would not fall to the Greeks. Right. So uh, Odysseus, uh, there's an episode where Odysseus uh, and Diomedes, I believe, uh, they they uh, sneak into the city and they steal the Palladium so the city can fall. So that there's a connection there. Interesting. Yeah, because if she's the if she's the goddess of defensive war, one would think she'd be on the side of the Trojans rather than the Greeks, because yeah, I, the Trojans are defending their city. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. I really yeah. don't. I mean, that, that goes against uh, what, what she's supposedly about. But in the Odyssey, she totally supports Odysseus uh, throughout his 10 year long voyage home. And there's a famous scene at the end where, you know, she's there when he finally has his, you know, uh, reuniting, you know, with Penelope, his beautiful wife and queen who patiently waits for him, waits for a man for 20 years, you know. And uh, I, I have this play on the Odyssey, which I'd like you to see when I can get it going again. Um, and uh, I, I reconstruct that scene where Athena's hovering over them as the, the loving couple reunites and everything. Uh, and and uh, I've had young girls uh, cry tears on that scene, you know? nice. <laughs> which, is, nice. which, is, which is very, very sweet for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so uh, Athena uh, is very positive in, in the Odyssey, but she's been positive with me. I know this, is, this sounds crazy, but I think, uh, you know, I, I've created this Homeric project and I created a, a play on the Odyssey my cousin, Teresa Armacost, who made my beautiful costumes, all based on Bronze Age models, like the, the, the costume of Circe, the witch goddess, is based on the, the so-called snake goddess figurine from Knossos. Right. Um, and uh, Teresa did a beautiful job. So one of the times I went back there to you know, present her with the images and everything for her to copy for the costumes, she said, oh, Gary, the city of Athens, you know, she lives in Athens, Georgia, named ah. after, after Athena. She said, 
the city just put up a statue to Athena. I said, really? So we went over there, and sure enough, they had a marble card statue of her on a pedestal. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, with the helmet, with the shield, with the spear. So uh, I left an offering, okay? Nice. And then uh, about six months later, I performed my play uh, at uh, the city of Monterey Park. And uh, and the, the mayor of the city, I told him about that, and he said, well, the city of Athens has nothing on us, Gary. We just put up a statue of Athena here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I said, what? He said, yes. It's in our uh, park called Cascades Park because they have a cascading waterfall. Um, so, obviously, I had to go over there and see the statue of Athena, which they have in a little pavilion at the top of this little hill. Right. And, uh, but they have her dressed in a peplos, uh, which is ancient Greek uh, woman's uh, costume and and not with a shield and spear so essentially it's a different statue but athena kept appearing and, and related to my play and i'm grateful okay that's wonderful <laughs> that's wonderful so what are some of the other uh uh other other sacred places um to Athena, yeah. obviously, you know, Athens, Georgia, and uh, and now uh, that new statue <laughs> where you performed your play are, are becoming sacred places for Athena. But, I think so. uh, but what are the what are some of the other historical um, places that were that were dedicated to her or were were um, were involved in her worship? Well, uh, you know, she had a, a, a few and uh, in addition to Athens, of course, that we mentioned earlier. Um, Homer says that she's also the, quote, the guardian of uh, Boeotia. It's an area of the, uh, you know, uh, the southern Greece. Mm -hmm. And uh, other Acropolises uh, were sacred to her, including Argos on the Peloponnesus, uh, Sparta, uh, okay. Sm uh, Smyrna, and Epidaurus, another city called Trozen, and Phineas. Uh, and interestingly, Troy was sacred to her, but then she betrays it because she supports the Greeks to, uh, you know, to destroy Troy. I, I, I don't get that. Well, so, Gary, so I'm interested because if Sparta and Athens are sacred to her, when you have the Peloponnesian War, whose side does she? Well, we, we I guess we know in history whose side she took because Sparta triumphed. Right. But, but uh, that must have been interesting. They both had the same. Yeah, they both prayed to the same. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure, as with most history, it depends on who wrote the history. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, Homer was Greek, and that's why the Greeks, you know, the, the Athena was on the side of the Greeks in his in his uh, epic tale. Yeah, but you know, there's a controversy because there's some revisionists that uh, think that uh, the Trojans were not Greeks. They think that they were. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Hittites, uh, don't, don't believe it. I, I, I've been to Troy. I made my pilgrimage there. The architecture is Greek. The artifacts are Greek. Uh, even some of the same pottery designs that you find, you know, at Mycenae and the Peloponnesus or Sparta. Um, and, the, and the thing is, the, the names, you know, uh, Priamos, Priam, Andromache, uh, Hecuba, mm -hmm. Hector. Th these are all Greek names. They're, they're not Hittite names. Hmm. And uh, now, interestingly, Homer says um, 
that uh, of all the cities under the sun, uh, Troy was uh, Zeus's favorite city. Hmm. So in other words, you're not going to have Homer, who was a Greek, writing that the king of the gods said a foreign country's city was his most favorite city. That just not what happened. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because there's a lot. We talked about Troy and Troy's relationship with the Amazons and their connections. So Troy has a few uh, different, I guess, groups that people think could they could be connected to. But in the end, even though Troy falls, if, as some of us are, you love the Romans, then the notion is Troy falls, Aeneas leaves a Trojan and founds probably the greatest civilization that we know, Rome. So yeah, but- in the end, it worked out. Well, that, <laughs> that, that, that was the myth of the Romans, I'm sorry, but... Uh, All right, we'll we'll table that one. Yeah, we'll table that one um, because, um, but you know, uh, the Emperor Augustus, as you as you well know, Sean uh, uh, commissioned Virgil, the greatest poet of his day, to come up with a national epic for ancient Rome, just like the Iliad was a national epic for ancient Greece. Right, and so that's that's why he wrote the Aeneid, which interestingly is like the Iliad. and the reason uh, I was wondering about this as a kid, you know, if the city's called Troy, why did Homer call it the Iliad? The reason is the main Greek name for Troy was not Troy. It was Ilios. Mm-hmm. Ah. And so that's why it's the Iliad. It means poem of Ilios. Right. Right. Um, yes. Otherwise, it'd be the Troyad or something. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah. but but we know it as Troy, and that's the dominant name and everything. And so uh, Virgil, to copy Homer, uh, called his epic, you know, the, the Aeneid after Prince Aeneas of Troy, who is mentioned in the Iliad, by the way. Right. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Could we talk a little bit about, before we sort of wrap up, could we talk a little bit more about sort of, I don't know if you've gone to the epithets for um, Athena and her look, just kind of how she's been described, how she was talked about. Um, and anything else maybe you might want to just throw in for the listener so they can know a little bit more about this great goddess. Okay, yeah. Homer had these uh, usually two-word descriptions of uh, people or things in, in the Iliad. Oh, my uh, goodness, yes. I uh, When I was in high school, I was constantly called Rosy-Fingered Dawn. Oh, yes. <laughs> and that's a that's a major one in the, in the Iliad. Um and, uh, you know, like uh, Achilles is called swift-footed Achilles. And Hector was called man-killer Hector, you know. So these two, usually two-word epithets. Mm-hmm. And so the ones he had for Athena was bright-eyed goddess, beauteous-haired, gray-eyed. That, that was said a lot, gray-eyed. Right, yes. Yeah, I remember that. And then, as we said previously, Pallas Athena. And then uh, another one was Alacomenian or Boshan Athena. Those were the epithets that Homer had for Athena. What mm-hmm. does what do the last two mean? Boshan is an area of, of uh, southern Greece. And so it's, it's apparently sacred to her, and that's why they call it uh, okay. Alacomenian or Boshan Athena. Oh, they both refer to that same region. Yes. Okay. Understood. Yes, I remember gray-eyed Athena. I remember that. 
Yeah. Is there anything else about her appearance that they talk about? Well, she's always depicted as beautiful. You know, okay. I, there, there is there is a statue by Phidias of her, and uh, she's wearing the peplos. She does have the aegis on, and you can see just a, a wonderful face. You know that the guy didn't come close to in that, you know, in that uh, reproduction of the of the large statue there. You know, in Nashville. But is she usually dressed like a warrior? Uh, is she wearing a helmet or shield? Yes, what is she's she usually depicted wearing a helmet uh, or, you know, there's a pottery design where she's wearing a beautiful dress, but she's carrying the helmet and she's carrying her spear, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, usually she has these aspects of, of her authority and power, you know, their her mm-hmm. attributes, attributes are called, you know? Right, right. She also had uh, lovely golden sandals that cordly that Homer said, do not wax old. <laughs> For example. Oh, so they're, they're, they're the kind of shoes that you could really have as dependable and comfortable. <laughs> Her shoes never wear out. Yeah. You uh, know, I really like that. I, I, I think, um, I think I'm going to pray to Athena for strength, for the ability to civilize and to create, and also for really good shoes. Sensible shoes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, that don't wear out. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and Homer said that those shoes uh, bore Athena over the sea uh, and uh, like the limitless wind and swift as a breath of wind, you know. Oh, that's beautiful. And then she could transform herself. Uh, gods could transform themselves. Like the famous one of Zeus, is, he transformed himself into a swan so he could seduce Leda. Right. And that produced Helen of Troy. Uh, and by the way, I wrote a, uh, with my co-author, Phoebe Kahn, a, a novel of Helen of Troy. And give nice. a little plug here. It's called right. Helen, Helen the Wine Dark Sea. Um, Where can people get that, Gary? Uh, it's, it's available on Amazon, but uh, they're not sending me the, uh, you know, the proceeds. So uh, you can get it from me if you want. <laughs> there you go. Which, go straight which, to the source. Can we give your email address out there if they want to get yeah, that? Yes, yes, uh, definitely. Okay. Uh, but anyhow, uh, in the uh, Iliad, there's a scene where the climatic scene, uh, one of the climatic scenes, where uh, Achilles has a great duel with Hector that uh, in front of the skin right. gate, the, the main gate of Troy. Uh, and uh, there's a According to Homer, there was a big oak tree there. Sacred oak trees were sacred to Zeus, and the reason is uh, lightning is attracted to oak trees, um, oh. and uh, Zeus is the lord of lightning. You know that kind right. of thing. Right, right. But anyhow, Athena flies in to represent the Greeks, and Apollo flies in to represent the Trojans. You know, each to support their own hero. Athena supports Achilles and uh, Apollo supports Hector. And they each transform, get this, into a, um, you know, a vulture, and they sit on the oak tree. Wow. So when I made my pilgrimage to Troy, uh, there is an old oak tree. It's not exactly where that was, because uh, it would have been the same location, but still a big oak tree in Troy. I picked a leaf from it. A friend of mine gold-leafed it for me, and uh, I framed it 
and uh, and I have that quote from the Iliad about <laughs> Athena and Apollo transforming into vulture. Wow. Vulture. And uh, sitting on the sacred oak tree of, of Zeus. Um, right. And then uh, uh, in the uh, uh, Odyssey, she transforms herself into a sea eagle. So mm-hmm. she could. That trans- would make sense. Yeah. So she could she could essentially travel with Odysseus because he was on the sea so yeah. much. Yeah. Yes. Well, what else? Just, just, just so, to wrap up. So, you know, well, to, to wrap up. Uh, I, I know she's not yours, Sean, but uh, Athena's my favorite goddess of the ancient Greek pantheon. Yes, we know who mine is. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Well, this is this has been wonderful, Gary. I, I really appreciate the depth of your knowledge and um, and your love for this wonderful goddess. Well, um, I, I have to say, a lot of this uh, I, I ripped off from Robert Graves, so you'll you have to give credit where credit is due. And he. Uh, he wrote a two-volume work on the on the Greek uh, gods, and I highly recommend it. Very scholarly. Wonderful. Well, actually, I think you mentioned in the last time we talked, remember? Yeah, um, yeah she did. Yeah, she thinks she, she refers to him as well. So We'll have Wonderful. to do something with Robert Graves because he seems to come up on a lot of our topics. Yeah. So, All right, then. So let me just ask you, Gary, just to give us our one more thing. What's one more thing you'd like to leave a listener with? Please about pray. Please Everybody pray to Athena to restore our civilization in America, okay? Okay. I think we could all get behind that. How about I, Yeah, I, I, I'm going to claim that for my one more thing as well. I'm going to say, you know, say a few words to Athena and, um, and ask for her, uh, for her help in restoring our civilization. Great. Yes, Let's hope for our civilization, folks. I want to thank again, Dr. Gary Stickle, for joining us. Thank thank you both. (laughs) And thank you, as always, to Dawn Sam Alden. Thank you, Sean Marlon Newcomb. And this has been In Praise of the Goddess. Thank you all for listening, and take care. Take care, and blessed be. Mm